Hello, and welcome to In Session, a podcast where we speak with changemakers working towards safe, supportive learning environments within their communities. Our guests include state and local education agencies and their partners, all grant recipients from the Department of Education, using their funding to advance school-based mental health services, support mental health service professionals, and establish trauma recovery and prevention programs. I'm Annie, and this is Brianna at the National Center on Safe Supportive Learning Environments, and we produce In Session. On today's episode, we talk to Mental Health Service Professionals grant recipients at John B. Lindsay Wildcat Academy Charter School about their mental health program and its impact. Our guests include Dr. Eleni Peters, clinical psychologist, Jessica Levin, mental health counselor, and Nicole Bogutsky, mental health intern. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited to get the first episode of season two started before we kind of dive into the content and talking about the mental health program. We would love to give you each an opportunity to introduce yourselves. Tell us a bit about your background and how you got into this work. Hi, I'm Nicole, and I am the mental health counseling intern here at JVL. And I used to be in cosmetology, and I switched careers when I realized I love to help people and talk to people and work on emotions with people. And I'm graduating my master's program on Tuesday. I will pass it to Dr. Peters. My name is Dr. Ellie Peters. I'm a clinical psychologist. Uh, I also am certified in school psychology. Unlike Nicole, I decided I wanted to be a psychologist in the third grade. And I've been working in schools for about 30 years. And I'm Jessica Levin. I'm the mental health counselor here. I'm currently working under limited permit, working towards my license. I am similar to Nicole, also a career changer. Before this, I was working in higher education, a lot of international education work, and I just wanted something different. Um, Just wanted to work a little bit more one-on-one with people. That's awesome. It sounds like we have a very diverse group here with us, different backgrounds, and it's exciting to see how you all got into this work. So our first question for you all is, what is a charter school and what makes it different from others? So charter schools are public schools that most of them in New York, and particularly in New York City, have a specific purpose. People start a charter school because they want to address a need that the larger public school isn't always uh, dealing with. So Ron Tabano, who's our principal and our founder and our visionary, he started this charter school because he was uh, working in the New York City public schools. And he saw that there were a lot of students who couldn't be successful in a traditional program. And so he wanted to do something that combined work and uh, gave kids an opportunity who had fallen behind and got discouraged to have a second chance or a fifth chance. And so our students are here every other week. They work at internships or we have a culinary program or at an outside internship one week and the other week they're here at school. And it also gives them an opportunity to accelerate a program. We go from nine in the morning to five in the afternoon. So the students have an opportunity to earn up to nine credits a semester, which is almost twice as many as in a traditional school. So students who have fallen behind and who are older and think, oh, I don't wanna stay another two years in high school, they can come here and attend school. 
named our school Wildcat. Mr. Tamano named it Wildcat because the Wildcat goes into an oil field that people think is dry and doesn't have anything in it. And they try again to strike oil in that field. And that's what we do here. We give kids another opportunity. I love that. I love that the Wildcat name too holds that significance. I think it's important too, just to set that scene by explaining and defining a charter school. Cause I think a lot of people don't really understand what it is and what makes it different from other schools. So thank you. So now we want to talk about your incredible mental health program. So I just want to ask you all to talk us through it. What does it entail? What was the driving force behind creating it or a need you were trying to meet? And how has it grown? And then if you want to, at the end, maybe talk about how your MHSP grant has contributed to it as well. Uh, so when I started uh, here 10 years ago, I was the only person and the teachers had really pushed for having, having someone in the program in-house in because the kids, they would refer kids out and it's very, very hard to get the services because of insurance issues or because they're on Medicaid or they don't have insurance at all. And to have somebody here to directly give the services, but one person, it's hard to cover everything. So I spent a lot of my time basically putting out fires and I'll let Jessica speak a little bit about some of the things that we do now that we have this grant. Yeah. So what I've observed here that's nice is that we have Dr. Peters and she's like really good at crisis response. Also, obviously meeting with the students, we learn a lot from her. So we have that to learn from, but then we also are able to do, because there's three of us, a lot of proactive work. So seeking out the students who may not be in crisis and checking up on them regularly. So that we do a lot of individual check-ins, individual full counseling sessions. I personally work with students who have IEPs and have counseling on it. So I have that population and then some students in addition to that who seek out services. And then Nicole, you wanna expand on the groups? Oh yes, yeah. so, and then we also run two groups. One of them is a still streaming group and it's drug prevention group. So we call it Too Good for Drugs where Jessica and I co-facilitate and we teach the students different types of skills to use to build up their ways of handling situations. And then we also run a DBT group where we teach them every week how to regulate certain emotions and how to deal with certain things that they're going through in a more positive way. I, I think, you know, uh, perhaps Jessica and Nicole can both speak on this as well. Our mental health grant is a demonstration grant to show that mental health counselors need to be in the schools. And again, this is something that's really close to my heart because this is the reason why I came here was I understood that there really is a need for mental health counseling in the schools. And if I can be like someday, I like to imagine that someday there'll be uh, mental health counseling services and uh, you know a mental health component to every school. And I'll think, I'll take a little credit for that that you know we demonstrated and maybe nicole you can speak a little bit on this as far as nicole's program at hunter that's not a traditional track 
for, you want to talk a little bit about that? So yeah, usually we, we're, a lot of students in my program like to work at private practices or clinical settings, like a hospital or something like that. And I did that, my practicum experience, which was a year, two years ago, and it just didn't go the way I, I liked it to go. And it was, I was meeting with some individuals and it was good, but I still, I really love kids. My day job is working with kids that are very little. And I love that I can work now with not just adults, but kids and high schoolers that really need the help. And school counseling in my program is different. They kind of help with college advisement and um, making sure the students are doing well in school as opposed to school-based mental health counseling yes. is different because I don't do what a regular school counselor would do. It's more so checking in on the students and helping them with personal things or crisis crises that they're going through as opposed to focusing just on academia. That's interesting. And just a quick follow-up question. I'm interested, do you have a partnership with, it was it Hunter College, you said? We're actually, the grants was written in a consortium of charter schools. So we actually have another campus too in the Bronx and I have a mental health counselor and a mental health intern there. So I do the clinical supervision for six schools. It's three charter schools and each of them have two schools. So I work with uh, six mental health counselors and right now, I think I have eight uh, students from Hunter. So we partnered with Hunter and, you know, I've done presentations with them to talk about, again, mental health counseling in the schools, which is different than a school counselor uh, position and what school counselors do. It's really providing mental health services that normally a student or a family would have to seek out. We can do that here. So yeah, the, the partnership with Hunter has been really, really great. And I think also it spreads the word to mental health counselors that this is a career path. So the purpose of the grant was not only to show that mental health counselors were needed in the schools, but also show mental health counselors that this could be a career for them. Absolutely. And, and Nicole, when you, congratulations, by the way, on your graduation so soon. So when you, when you graduate, will you stay at John B. Lindsay and stay in this role then? And that's the kind of the trajectory. Yes, actually, I did get offered a position from Dr. Peters uh, about three or four weeks ago. It wasn't a definite thing. I didn't know if I would even be offered it, but she did okay. offer it and I did accept it. So I will be doing my limited, getting my limited permit here in for the next two, one and a half to two years, staying in this campus with at the school with some of the kids I know and a whole bunch of new kids. So I'm very excited about that. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. And the uh, mental health counselor who works in our uptown campus was my first intern at another school. Um, so when the position opened up, I called him and said, oh, you know, you need to come work here. And I have two other interns that I'm hoping to place in uh, uh, mental health counseling roles in the schools this semester. That's fantastic. And I can imagine too, having that consistent pipeline is helpful and keeping them in the schools because now Nicole can talk to a future intern and give all of her advice and lessons learned. So that's that's really incredible. Brianna, I'll let you, I'll let you go to the next question. <laughs> you kind of all talked about your specific roles within the mental health program, but I guess if there's anything else that you wanted to add about what, you, what your day-to-days look like and what your different roles look like and how they play into the program. And I know you mentioned it was the three of you, but with Nicole coming on as staff, if you're looking to maybe fill that internship role with someone else or looking to grow your staff and kind of put that, those roles like within your program. 
Actually, Jessica's moving to another uh, school within the consortium and that they, you know, they had a spot open that worked for her. And, but I will be, yeah, every year I get a new, I get a new intern. So I will have new interns working here in this campus and uptown and at the four other schools. And the interns are really great too, because we, like, I'm an intern, I just met Jessica, but we also have, we only, we have Dr. Peters for individual supervision, but we get to use each other for peer supervision to talk through our cases, kind of get advice. It gives us an opportunity to see someone else in the field, give some advice on how they would talk through something with a student. And sometimes we often, uh, students will come into the office and we'll both be here and we, we say, is it cool if Jessica's in the room or Nicole's in the room? And, and they love it. So it just gives us a, a chance to kind of learn off from each other as well. Also the mental health program, all of the mental health counselors that we've hired have been recent graduates from Hunter. So I think it also gives like Nicole and Jessica, which is going through and Nicole has to fill out her paperwork for the state for the limited license permit since she's graduating in two days. Give her a hand. Um, four days. And four days, sorry. <laughs> so it also gives, a, it's a great opportunity like networking and oh, how do I do this? And uh, some of the mental health counselors you know, have part-time jobs and private practice after after school and, oh, how do I, how do I work that? How do I do that? So it's been a really great opportunity. We try to have little outings and get together with everybody so that everybody from all the different schools can network with each other. That's fantastic. It seems like a real team effort. Mm, it absolutely is. Yes. All right. Now this is always my, my favorite question to ask, but if you all could maybe go into specifics on what impact you have seen, whether it's on you, the students, the school in general, you know, in response to this, this mental health program. Well, I, I've seen the before and after, and I definitely think that having everybody here, I, I've had interns in the past. We had another small grant a couple of years ago where I had a social worker briefly and it's like night and day. It really is different. I, I do, I screen all the students at orientation and it's so much easier to go through the list and say, okay, I'm assigning everybody in the beginning, you know, to really not say, oh, okay, I can only take like the kids who are really, really like who score really highly. And, you know, I'm going to work my way down from there. Now it's like, oh, this would be a great person to work with. I feel like I have more time to, I, I do a lot because I'm a psychologist and a school psychologist. I have a lot more time to work in the classrooms and work with the teachers and do those kind of things. So I, I definitely see the level of distress, the kind of everyday incidents in the school because of that distress has really gone down significantly. We are collecting data on uh, the mental health of the students. I don't think we have any preliminary stuff right now, but just my experience through the supervision and through talking to the mental health counselors and just my observation, I know that it's made a huge difference. Jessica, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, and no, I, I think one thing that I've enjoyed is being able to do the good cop, bad cop thing. <laughs> and so like, Dr. Peters is very comfortable with taking the quote unquote bad cop role and calling home and saying, why aren't you here today? We need you here. Take a shower, get in here. And she'll do that purposely because she's like, I want then when they come here to feel comfortable opening up to you and you're not the one that called home. So 
with more people, you're able to yes. be more intentional about those things. And like, sometimes the students may feel more comfortable with me. Sometimes they feel more comfortable with Dr. Peters. Like sometimes I've really needed help, right? And I will start with the student and then take, go together to Dr. Peters and like help them all to like help the student all together. So it really, I can't imagine how stressful this would be just being the one person like that, that must be rough. So I'm really grateful to have other people to, to bounce off from. And you want to talk, you made a really good point before about decreasing like stigma. Oh yes. That's a, that is something that we see all every day. The impact on the students is usually when you hear counseling or therapy, people tend to have that stigma of, oh, you must be crazy or something must be wrong with you, or you must have a mental disorder, right? And here we like to say, we like to normalize mental health and decrease that stigma and say, no, you don't have to be crazy or troubled to seek help or seek therapy or just want to talk to someone. And I think that's something so important in, in, our, in everyone, but mainly our youth and teenagers making our groups are kind of fun and we have open discussions and it's not like we're lecturing we're kind of just educating but letting them have a conversation and often lead the conversation as well and that makes them realize like hey this is this is actually really interesting it's not a class there's no homework they like talking and the best part is to hear that they say stuff like oh we feel like this is a safe space to talk about our emotions and the sad truth is that they don't have that safe space somewhere else, whether that be the home or with their friends or partners. So they find in the school, they have that safety. And that's something that we see every day that is so valuable and um, quite frankly, a priceless experience. Sounds like it for sure. I want to quickly ask you, you mentioned earlier that you were able to do more proactive work because of this program. And I'm just curious in terms of you know, being proactive and kind of your day-to-day -day with the students, how do you work this into the students' day-to-day -day experience? Do you have, like, Nicole, I know you just said this isn't a class, that isn't homework. So when you do these counseling sessions, is it part of their daily schedule or is it they seek it out? So we, it's a combination of both. Again, we have a really supportive staff here. Everybody has gotten training in trauma-informed classrooms. They're just amazing. So we get a lot of a lot of communication back and forth with the teachers where they'll come to us and say, oh, I'm concerned about X student. You know, he, he usually is really engaged and he has his head down. And so one of us will pull him out and, and find out what's going on. So we have that. We do, Jessica does the mandated counseling for the students' IEPs. She has regular sessions where she meets with them. And again, the teachers are very accommodating. And we also, the, we do the DBT groups, the DBT group we do during classes. And the way that I work that out with my particular group is the algebra teacher, I take them all from the same algebra class. And it's the students who are not prepping for the regions. They need the credit. A regents is a New York state test. It's an exit test. You need to graduate. And so, those students, they need the credit, they're working, you know, they're working on the class and it's a two period class. So I take them the second half of the class where she's already taught them and they're working on a lesson, the hand, you know, the handout related to the lesson. So I, again, I've been in working in schools for 30 years. So there's always the balance of 
oh, you can't take anyone from my class, you know, and they need to, they need to have this. Well, I, you know, I've worked with teachers who only want you to take everybody during gym. And the worst thing to do is take a kid during gym because they will hate you. So we've been able to balance a lot of that out. But I, I really feel like our mental health program is integral uh, because we get, because I, again, Mr. Tabano, the administrator, and all of the staff have always been 100% supportive of us. Another thing that we do is create a monthly newsletter with a mental health focus. And so it's a nice space for us to show what's going on in the field, maybe research finds like that women are experiencing more depression or the impact of social media on teens. And then we also include resources from the local community. Um, so it may be a place where parents can send their kids to get an interview training or join a drama club or get resources they need, whether it be food or like clothing for an interview. So we enjoy putting that together every month and Mr. Tavano sends it out to the community. So it's nice to have our work reflected there. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's great to have that form of, of communication to another part of that proactive work you were talking about. So what advice would you give for other grantees that are looking to train mental health providers in their schools and implement programs like this? Having the staff. So the advice that I would give is you want to really, I, I, I think the only kind of hiccup we've had was all of the schools, not so much this one, but definitely as far as this grant is having the administrators, the staff understand what the role is of a mental health counselor in the school. Again, counselor is kind of a very generic term, particularly in charter schools. It's kind of like, oh, everyone who, every, all the support staff are counselors, you know, and to be very clear that these are trained mental health professionals who are providing mental health care, you know, and again, as a supervisor, that's what I'm really focused on teaching the interns and the practicum students and the mental health counselors. Like this is what, this is what our role is here. And it's a little bit unique, you know, even having a psychologist in a school is unusual. So that idea of this is what we're here for. So it's not necessarily, oh, you cover the classes or you do this, or you, you know, like kind of fill in all these roles. It's these students need these services. So I think teaching the teachers like this isn't an add-on. So, oh, you should only take these kids during gym or only during this this period, or can you take them all at lunchtime? You know, that this this is an integral part of the program. We need to make the time and make the priority for this. And, and again, our teachers here, I think really recognize that, but sometimes when you're in a much larger school district, you really need to, you need to do the outreach. So that's the recommendation that I would make for other schools. And again, and the administrators as well, like this is what their role is. It's not kind of a catch-all and it's not, oh, you know, they're going to do some of the school psychologist's job too. No, the school psychologist has a job. The mental health counselors have a job. The nurse has a job. Like we're all going to work together. So that that's one of the takeaways I have from this. Oh, and I just let me want to mm -hmm. piggyback off of that. Another thing is therapy is not free for everyone. So I think that's very important that they have a place in school to come because a lot of them, um, especially our kids, they're between 16 and 20 and they don't have the opportunity to even spend 
a, a few dollars on therapy a week or a month or what have you. So it's very important that they see that they can get help from trained professionals for free and it's all confidential as well. And also the other, th the other thing I would recommend to other schools, it's given us an opportunity to reach out to get more training. A lot of times the training, you know, again, my experience in the schools is they have professional development day and the psychologists, the social workers, the counselors often spend the day sitting there hearing about, you know, a new reading program or something like that. And they don't get that specialized training. And because one of the things, you know, we have money in the grants. So we've been able to do CBT training for children. The grant first started when we were, right after we went on remote. And we were, everyone was able to get training in how to do therapy remotely with children, which I think was really, really helpful. We've done CBT training. We've done, done CBITS and Bounce Back, which is a specific training for children who've experienced trauma, either a, you know, a school shooting or an acute trauma like that, or general trauma, you know, chronic trauma, and uh, been able to partner with Childline, which is a, an institute in New York City that does, they do programs around the country. Um, they do, they have a lot of literature, programs for parents, things like that. They have an autism program. And, you know, we were able to do this DBT in schools training with them, and we're doing these groups. So it's, Again, we would not have time to do any of those kind of things if if it weren't for this dedicated, the money, the resources, the saying this is a priority. And I think really that's the biggest thing is, you know, the money definitely helps. Uh, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to lie, but the idea that this is important. This is important to our students. This is important to our families. People talk generally about mental health among children, but it's not enough to talk about it. You really have to implement a program that's really thought out, that's really designed to get the most bang for the buck. You know, and I think that's, this program definitely does that. Yeah, that sounds, and especially, you know, <coughs> other grantees who might be listening to this podcast, I think it would be, it's really beneficial too for them to hear all three of you here speaking as a team, as a unit, and talking about this internship program, it really just speaks to this collective that you're talking about and having staff that are prioritizing this. So just in closing, because that is all of the, the questions that we had for you all today, I just want to offer you all a space to talk about any takeaways. If you maybe want to talk about or expand on where you want this program to go from here, Anything else you'd like to say before we wrap things up? I want this program to spread like a weed all over the country. I want it to be everywhere. I, 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 again, this is my life's work. I want this everywhere. Yeah. And I, I mean, with how much more common it's becoming and more, it's becoming more normalized to talk about mental health and our culture. We want to make sure we're having that as a regular conversation in schools too with people who are trained in it because you know conversation can go in every direction <laughs> so it's good to, i think for students to have a place where they can go to someone and go more in depth if they want to I, exactly what you guys said a great i can't think of a better way to word anything just 
yeah, reiterating that it's so important for them to feel comfortable having a place to talk and having people to talk to and, and people that care and just knowing that we care. We had Jessica and I were talking to a student the other day and she was just like telling us that she wants to be in this profession as well. And she said that we inspire her and she didn't know she wanted to do anything, psychology or mental health. And now she does because she sees that, you know, we can implement this in a school. And uh, it's just great to see the change that this program has made. And I hope it spreads too. And I hope someday I can hire her. <laughs> You've been in the school, right? That, that would be awesome. Well, thank you all so much for taking the time out of your busy schedules to talk with us. I'm sure I can speak for both Brianna and I when I say I learned a lot today, and I'm incredibly impressed with all the work you're doing at John B. Lindsay Wildcat and across different schools. I really think that other grantees will benefit a lot from, from listening to this episode. So thank you all so much. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Much. I really appreciate it. Really thoughtful questions. Thank you. In Session is brought to you by the National Center on Safe Supportive Learning Environments, or NESLE, at the American Institutes for Research. This podcast is funded by the U.S. Department of Education. If you'd like to learn more about NESLE, visit safesupportivelearning.ed.gov. For all questions or feedback, you can email us at nestle at AIR.org. Thanks for listening. Please note, the contents of this podcast do not necessarily represent the policy or views of the U.S. Department of Education, nor does it imply endorsement by the U.S. Department of Education.